Pyers, Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. If you're a trader living in Australia, the chances are that you've heard of your Trading Edge magazine. Your Trading Edge is an industry standard bi-monthly publication with the readership of over 80,000 people. And today we have a fun interview with its editor, Critica Sexaria. After literally reading thousands of articles on the markets, Critica gives insights into how the magazine runs, as well as her top pieces of advice for traders. But first, we hear from Chris Tate today for a look at recent market activity and what is trending and what is not for the week ending the 1st of March. CT, for the week ending the 1st of March, how did the US markets close? The intriguing thing about oil markets is, let's broaden out our perception a little bit and look at how we've done this quarter. And the intriguing thing about most world markets this quarter is that they're actually positive. And the most positive has been China, which always tends to make people a little bit nervous because in the past when China's been positive, it's been little more than a sign of rampant speculation. And what is even more surprising is that our market is positive. <laughs> and whilst, whilst markets like the US are off their all-time highs, what, what is intriguing about them is that if you look at their staged performance over this quarter, you've got the much, much broader Russell 2000 being the best performer than the S&P 500 than the Dow. So as you whittle down to narrower and narrower and narrower indices, you actually get a decline in performance. So the intriguing thing about the Yanks is their broad market performance. Their broad market performance. What do you mm, mean by that? Is how the much broader indices seem to be the best performers they've got. The, the Dow itself, because the intriguing thing about the Dow is it's such an idiosyncratically stupid little index. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can understand why it became the world benchmark, but it really shouldn't be. The world benchmark, if we were going to pick one, should probably be the S&P 500. The Dow 30 is an idiosyncratic collection of stocks, which used to be effectively the 30 favourite stocks of the editors of the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> so, so much to the point where they completely ignored stocks like Apple and Microsoft's existence for decades. They pretended technology stocks didn't exist, um, that old-fashioned stocks like Caterpillar were still really important. So let's go to the Australian market. It is at 6230 points. Which is intriguing in and of itself. Why is that? It's actually gone up. <laughs> and it's actually managed to do it in, in a fairly stable fashion since the beginning of the year. We've had these little false interregnums of the market being positive before, but it hasn't been as solid as we've got at present. So what this actually says to me is that you would think when you looked at our political situation and you looked at our politicians, who are all a bunch of collective retards, you'd go, oh, market can't be doing very well. Well, people don't really care about politicians, and certainly the market doesn't. The market and the economy slash politics are two separate and different things. The other thing is it seems like markets don't really care about the Royal Commission. What a surprise. Every conservative politician in the country was surprised by the fact that the banks are assholes. Well, there's news for everybody. So I think 
or something like the Royal Commission has done is said, yes, major four banks, assholes, everybody else get on with business as normal. Do you see an impact on housing prices happening from the Royal Commission? What about the effect on brokers? I, I actually think that what, what you're seeing is a, a confluence of events. Let's talk about the housing market. One of the things that people don't understand about booms is they all end in busts. There is no other way to end. There is no soft landing. There is no deceleration. Because at the end of a boom, you get rampant speculation. You've got rampant speculation in real estate. And what that took the form of banks giving people 100% of the value of a property that they could not afford. Mm. That's rampant speculation. That can only end one way. And the only way it ends is in tears. That's, that's just the natural order of things. And the unfortunate thing about the, all booms is that the people who advise and talk about markets during the boom have been drawn to the boom of recent times. So they suffer recency bias. What that means is they assume that tomorrow will be like today because today was like yesterday. The problem is their yesterdays only go back a year. If you had spoken to a land rat anywhere where I live uh, last year and said, what about property? They would say, always goes up, never going to be a problem. There was a house in my street which went, went for auction and again, Sample of one. Sample of one is always problematic. Uh, they got almost 28% less than they were asking. At the auction, they had one bid. It was from the auctioneer. And this is a suburb where houses were selling in four weeks a year ago. Board would go up. Auction would be in three weeks' time. There'd be a three-week campaign. House would sell for well above odds. Now there are no bidders. Every auction I go to, no bidders. That's just the natural cycle of things. The fact that it has coincided with the Banking Royal Commission is just a coincidence. It is not cause or effect. Let's go back to the indices in Japan, Hong Kong, all of Asia's trending. When you mentioned China. No, and this is the intriguing thing. All, all of Asia is trending. What? Hang Seng's up about 11% since the beginning of the year, which is a decent performance. Nikkei's a bit of a lag at about high sevens. But the standout is China. The Shanghai comp's up 20%. Just touch on oil. Well, there you go. Up, then slightly down. The intriguing thing about oil is that it, it used to be a commodity that responded to geopolitical instability in the Middle East. There's probably never been a time in history when the Middle East has been more unstable, but oil has not responded that much. In the past, we would have seen oil go to $100 a barrel and beyond. We just haven't seen that. Yes, it's been a very good performer this quarter, you know, up about 11%, gasoline up 20 which are all sizable tradable moves, particularly when you're talking about an instrument that is geared or leveraged. And so it's been strong. But strangely enough, in terms of commodities, the standout's been palladium up about 31 but even that is dwarfed by very, very old school commodities such as rubber and iron ore. They've been the two major standouts. Uh, I, to be honest, don't even know how one trades rubber. It is that old school. Iron ore, yes, uh, being effectively, let's put it in brackets of base metal. That's understandable. But rubber, not a clue. But commodities are being positive, but not super positive, or, or in terms of the ones we would normally follow, like gold, platinum, silver, they have been good, but not 
spectacular outside of palladium. So just to clarify, you trade iron ore or do you trade subsidiaries of iron ore? Traditionally, I look for an analogue of something like iron ore. good thing about being in Australia is that we have analogues like Mount Gibson who track the price of iron ore. And so you can trade the analogue. And this, this is one of the things I think people get a little bit a little bit anxious about trading commodities. It, it's actually reasonably easy to find analogues of most of the major commodities that you can trade locally. People are worried about things like currency variability, trading a leveraged product, uh, trading a market that is outside their normal preserve. But you can find analogues. And it, all it takes is a day's research to generate a little short list of this is correlated with that, this does this, this does this, this does this. And you've got yourself a, a little ready reckoner sheet of things you can trade. Final bits of advice to the new mentorees starting the Mentor Program 2019. One of the intriguing observations I have noted, and I'm not certain where this has come from, is that each of the groups has a theme or a feeling to it. This one has the feeling of fear. And by that I mean when they're presented with an exercise about, you know, share has done X and has gone up X, what would you do? The predominant response seems to be, I'd sell them all. No, that's the correct answer. The incorrect answer is you would buy more. But the answer, sell them all, is a fear-generated response. And it's something that prompted me to write a, a somewhat lengthy piece on the blog this morning uh, about the notion of fear. Because what, one of the, the terrible things about trading is that it does tend to generate fear in people. It tends to generate this anxiety. And the anxiety is in part because markets are unknown. We fear losing. And our actions will always be to defend our ego. So if I bought a share at a dollar to a dollar ten, I'll sell it and feel really, really good at myself. In years to come when it's gone to twelve dollars, I'll never look at it again because I'll just ablate that from my memory. If you can get over this fear and a plan gets you over the fear, then you go some way to controlling yourself. But it's, it's actually quite natural to feel anxious about markets. Whenever you put on a trade, it, the outcome is unknown. Yes, you have a contingency plan for the outcomes, but the outcome is actually unknown. You actually have to learn to surrender to that anxiety and the fact that things are unknown. And the plan. And the plan. The plan is everything. The plan is everything. CT, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Caroline. Hey, it's Cam here from the Trading Up podcast. Want to learn the secrets of the top stock, forex, futures, or crypto traders for free? Their strategies, favorite chart patterns, the brokers they use, their big aha moment. Look, it's this simple. Subscribe to the Trading Up podcast on Apple, Android, Spotify, or YouTube for weekly interviews with successful traders, and you'll notice how your trading improves. That's right, just subscribe to the Trading Nut podcast on Apple, Android, Spotify, or YouTube. See you there. Critica Sexaria, yeah. the editor yeah. of the inimitable Your Trading Edge magazine. We are thrilled to have you on Talking Trading. Hello and welcome. Hi, Caroline. I'm really happy to be here today. I look forward to our conversation. As the editor of Your Trading Edge, you have literally read thousands of articles mm -hmm. about the financial markets, let alone all the people you would have dealt with over the years. So let's Definitely. start off by asking Critica, what is your top piece of advice 
for traders? Well, there are a couple of things, though. One is the most important is that traders, especially traders who are just starting off, should understand that trading is not an overnight get-rich-quick scheme. It's not something you will achieve success in overnight. You may get lucky once or twice, sure. But for long-term success, I guess you have to be patient, which I feel a lot of traders don't realize that, especially when starting out. So I would suggest get an education, do a course that uh, resonates with you, uh, get a mentor. I, can, I think that is very important as well. So hanging around the right kind of people, people who uplift you, people who are doing well themselves, who you can take inspiration from, that cuts out a lot of negativity when uh, you know trying to establish yourself as a trader. So let's go to the fears and obstacles that you feel yeah. from your experience that a lot of traders face. Uh, this is a very common one, and I've been asked this before as well. I've noticed that a lot of traders experience self-doubt, which is normal, I guess. But uh, having the right mindset can give you an edge above others. So I would say stop being so harsh on yourself. Get, take it easy and cut out the negativity. And sometimes you will have to face the negativity. It could come from your family. I've, I've read many of Louise's articles. She always writes about all the negativity she faced during the trajectory of her career. So stop. I w- what I would say that don't take the criticisms too personally. Don't take your losses too personally. Um, have a set of rules. Follow that. And don't listen to just too many people listen to the pe- listen to the people who are of value to you go with your instinct and yeah i guess that's that's the main thing don't don't be too harsh on yourself it's it's a long term process success doesn't happen overnight and it's long lasting if you take it slowly and easily critically you sound like a pro tell us oh. about your role because your trading yeah. edge is read by every trader. Or At least in Australia, yes. <laughs> what is the best part of your role? You know, my, my role, I became the editor of Your Trading Edge in 2014. And since then, I've come across so many people, uh, regular traders, experienced traders, educators. And just seeing the trajectory of all these people has been so inspiring on a personal level as well. Because I was fairly young when I started out. And just uh, just seeing how some so many traders and uh, so many people have stuck through their course. That is very inspiring. And one of the best parts of my role today is that I get to share it. I get to share it with 80,000 people in Australia and also uh, in the UK, the US, in Asia, with all my readers. Because through my columnists, our uh, readers, they can get the kind of uh, direction that they need. So, yeah, if, if even... Like even a few traders can find some success, some inspiration from reading your trading edge. I think that's a good day's work. How do you compile your trading edge? What's the process? Uh, 
I have I have columnists who've, uh, who I've worked with for years. They're very credible writers, wonderful writers, wonderful people. So they're all people I love working with. And we discuss an editorial calendar of uh, what we want to be published. And then we put it together. Of course, we also take into consideration breaking news. So China is pretty hot at the moment. So we're discussing a lot of that in our cover stories. Do you, ever tell, yeah, do you ever tell the authors what you want them to write? Well, we have a discussion. So I, I, don't, I think that the best work comes from someone who is, uh, you know, uh, how do I put it, who's passionate about what they're writing. And I, I give them that kind of leeway. I give them that flexibility. But, yeah, we have a conversation. We discuss what's going on in the markets and what people want to read. Plus, I get feedback and requests from readers all the time. So I always try and incorporate that. What sort of feedback do you get? I get questions uh, just uh, if someone's facing roadblocks. I, I don't remember one from the top of my head. But, yeah, if someone has roadblocks, sometimes they reach out specifically wanting to get in touch with a columnist and just wanting to discuss oh, how, can I, so, uh, how can I progress or how, how do I overcome this obstacle. Sometimes I just get these really nice emails saying what a wonderful magazine it is, and that's, that's amazing too. <laughs> it's a big, teams, a big team, puts in a lot of effort into it, and it's so, it's so inspiring for all of us because – and akin to any other profession, we have uh, frustrating days as well. And then we just remember that, yeah, people love our product. People love your trading edge. And it keeps us going through everything. I don't know if you can add to this question, but who over the years as columnists have you found particularly inspiring? I don't uh, know if you I... can show this favoritism here. <laughs> okay, I, I'd say I've had the longest relationship with Louise. And with uh, Don, she's no longer with us anymore. But I remember when I started uh, working on Your Trading Edge, I was very, very nervous because uh, it was just out of the blue. And uh, my boss came up and told me that, oh, we need a new editor for Your Trading Edge. And I think you're up to the task. And uh, I spoke to Dawn on the phone. and This is Dawn Bolton-Smith. Yeah, John Bolden Smith. And she she's like, Yeah, yeah, of course. I think you can do it. And anytime you need any help, I'm there. And yes, she was there. She was there till the very end. She wrote her last article from a hospital bed. I mean, oh that's that was really amazing. Her her loss was huge. Yes. A huge hole in the magazine. Yes, and she devoted so much of her time to writing each article. She was she was one of the most passionate columnists I've ever had. Tell us, are there any special offers you'd like to give our listeners so they can discover the inimitable Your Trading Edge magazine for themselves? Oh, yes. So, because we are all at Your Trading Edge so excited about this opportunity to have a chat with you. And we also want to want all your listeners to get to know Your Trading Edge. So, we are giving away a digital subscription, a one-year digital subscription for YTE. For anyone who puts in this code, now listen carefully, it is YTE sub 18. It's pretty simple, but YTE sub 18. All you need to do is go into our subscriptions page, add in this code for your one year subscription and voila, you get to get your trading edge for free for one year. What a giveaway. What an offer. Yeah.
And if you're serious about trading, you'll realize how special that is. Definitely. I hope that some people actually get the, use this opportunity to become serious about trading, to get a little inspiration and a little direction. Kritika, that's a huge opportunity for traders. Thank you very much for your time. Thank Come you, back Caroline. on Talking Trading and we'll have another discussion. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Caroline. And that's it, guys, for this week's episode of Talking Trading. Stay tuned next week to hear Brian McAboy from Inside Out Trading on how success is an inside job. We'll see you next week. Louise Bedford here. We are loving bringing you the Talking Trading Show. And make sure you subscribe on our website, talkingtrading.com.au. And also, if you'd like my free Trading Made Simple course, you can register on my website, tradinggame.com.au. I have been so enjoying the iTunes reviews that are coming through and the Apple Podcast reviews. They've been so lovely. It helps us improve the show, gives us energy to bring you the absolute best. I thought it'd be fun to read one out today. Here's one from The Bone Trader. Not quite sure what market that is, but still. They say, this podcast is absolutely brilliant. The content is exceptional and the presenter superb. Yes, you are, Caroline. You are fantastic. It has helped me so much in my trading journey. Where else could you hear interviews with extraordinary individuals ranging from mountaineers who have scaled Everest to market wizards who have conquered the markets? I love this podcast so much. And you know what, Bone Trader? I love your review so much. Thanks for this little pep up. Just adore it. So go on to iTunes or Apple Podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, You want to give back. You want to give that gratitude back to us because I know we get such a kick out of it. Make sure you give us a lovely five-star review. Tell us what you like about the show and we would appreciate that so much. And until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are generally nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.